Speaking of being positioned, today I want to share with you a message that is entitled Position. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, also your bulletins. There'll be a further follow-along study note that'll guide you through the message today. As this morning, we're continuing our series entitled Walls. In this series, we're looking at the book of Nehemiah and how he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. The story of Nehemiah is a story of passion and of prayer. It's a story of being positioned in the right place to fulfill the plan of God in your life. It's a story about how problems arise when we live out our purpose, but that God is still on the throne and that his plans always prevail. Ultimately, the story of Nehemiah is a story of how God works in us, but then he also works through us. My prayer is that during this series, as we look at lessons from Nehemiah about how he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, that we'll look in our own lives, in the lives of those that are around us, and we'll see broken down walls, and we'll allow God to begin to rebuild some walls around us. Turn with me in your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 2, and as you're turning there, last week we looked at Nehemiah chapter 1, and I shared with you a message entitled, A Broken Heart Over Broken Walls. We learned that the city of Jerusalem, which was the place of God, and it housed the people of God, the walls of that city were broken down. In that time, it was a big deal. Not only did that mean that it brought shame upon the people in the place of God, it also meant that they were in great trouble because they were not protected. The walls were literally broken down. Along comes this man named Nehemiah. He's living 900 miles away in a Persian kingdom, and he hears word about the broken down walls of the city of Jerusalem. Even though he was in a place of comfort, he began to be concerned not about himself, but about the people and the purpose of God. And that concern about the crisis called him to begin to cry out to God. The first chapter of Nehemiah, if you wanted to break it down into one word, you could say it was about prayer. This Nehemiah hears about the crisis of the broken down walls, and it leads him to cry out to God in prayer. I hope that when we see broken down walls in our life, in our city, and the people around us, that the first thing we try to do is go to God in prayer. Speaking of prayer, that's why over the Next 21 days, starting today, we're going to do something that we've done for the entirety of our existence as a church. Every January, since we've existed at a church, we set aside 21 days of prayer and fasting. God, we want to set this year on the right course. And for 21 days, we ask that everybody participate, whatever that looks like to you, that you set aside a meal, that you set aside something in order to focus your attention on God, that we would pray and that we would fast. I want us all to be a part of that, and I would love for you to be a part of our prayer times that are going to be happening starting this Saturday for the next three Saturdays. We're simply going to take an hour at 8 a.m. on Saturdays to come in this place, have some worship music on, and spend some time in prayer. In our own lives, God, how can I fast? Not only on those Saturdays, but how can I fast and pray? Then on the 27th, we're going to have a worship night where we come together and we just pursue God's presence because this is a year of abiding in his presence. And so I want us to be a part. Last week, we talked about prayer. 
In the weeks to come, we'll talk about how God was using Nehemiah for his purpose. That he begins to progress towards building the walls. Walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down for over 140 years. And yet in 52 days, this man of God was used to rebuild these walls. We'll learn about that in the weeks to come. Prayer, progress. But today I want to talk to you specifically about the word position. I want us to look in the passage that's found in Nehemiah chapter 1, the last part of verse 11, and then we're going to read the first eight verses of Nehemiah chapter 2. The first truth that I want you to listen as we read this passage is this. Did you know that God positions his people on purpose for purpose? Here's what it says in Nehemiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 11. Give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. Pause there just for a moment. Last week we talked about the prayer of Nehemiah. For four months he prayed before God and this was the part of his prayer. He was a cupbearer to the king. That means that he was in a close proximity to the king. The cupbearer was somebody who would have been like an advisor to the king. He would taste the food, taste the drink of the king to make sure it wasn't poisoned before the king would eat or drink. So this was somebody very close to the king. He was positioned properly for God's purpose. So here we are now in chapter 2. It says in verse 1, In the month of Nisan, in the 20, 20th year of King Artaxerxes, wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I was not, had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad seeing that you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I went, I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the, king, when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said, to me, the queen sitting beside him. How long will you be gone when you re and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let the letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may pass until I come to Judah. And a letter to Ashpeth, the keeper of the king's forest, that he might give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that shall, I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked for, for the good hand of my God was upon me. I want everybody to do me a favor right now. I want you to take your hand like this, and I want you to pat yourself on the back. You just made it through over eight verses of Scripture all at one time. Second Sunday of a brand new year, and you set through eight verses of Scriptures being all read at one time. That's a lot to take in. So what I want to do is I want to break down that passage and look at it as we look at the rebuilding of the walls and how God positions His people on purpose. Again, 
Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. He was in close proximity to the king. He may have felt like his position didn't really matter. Maybe he thought, maybe I simply am here to serve this earthly king. But guess what? His position gave him proximity. Gave him proximity to the earthly king. Day after day, meal after meal, moment after moment, he had an audience with this earthly king. He was positioned for God's purpose. On the surface, it would have appeared that Nehemiah was simply there to serve the purposes of an earthly king. But can I tell you what? God had positioned them to serve a heavenly king. That there was a greater purpose than just serving this earthly king. He was there to serve the purposes of the most high king. As we enter into 2019, what if we look at every place that God positions us as not only something that is to fulfill our purpose, but to fulfill the purpose of the king? I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell them, you have been positioned on purpose for purpose. You've been positioned on purpose for purpose. Tell them right now. Tell them. Tell them. Now turn to your second choice, the one you didn't choose at first. And I want you to tell them, you are in a good position. They're like, yeah, I'm sitting by you. Uh, You're awesome and I chose a good position to be set. I'm not talking about who you chose to sit by. I'm talking about where you find yourself in life. It may not seem like God has had his hand on you, but no matter where you find yourself in life, I'm going to tell you today that you are positioned on purpose for purpose. You may not feel like you're in a good position on the job. Does anybody even notice? But listen, maybe God has a greater purpose. And he's put you there on a purpose. In your marriage right now, you may not feel like, man, we're where we need to be. But listen, don't run. Don't go the other direction. Perhaps God has you positioned right there to do something in your life. And he's positioned you on purpose. In that family, you know you've got some cray-cray family, some crazy families up in here. But guess what? What if I was to tell you that he may have you right in the middle of that family for even a greater purpose? We look at the placement of where we are in our families, in our relationships, in our lives, and we say, God, does it even matter? God makes no mistakes. And perhaps we begin to look in 2019 that wherever I am in this life, I have been positioned here on purpose. As a church, can I tell you, he has positioned us in this city, in this region for such a time as for his purpose. Maybe in our church, we begin to say, man, I'm just serving by passing out a flyer. Maybe I'm just serving at a Winterfest. And by the way, we need people to serve on Winterfest. That's coming up. Sign up today. Maybe I'm just changing smelly diapers. Maybe I'm greeting people at the door. Does my service even matter. Sure, you've been positioned as part of the body of Christ on purpose. My giving, when I give, is it advancing God's purpose? Hey, it's not only, that job is not just for my purposes, it's also to advance his purposes. Not only in this church, but those people that I am, God speaks to me, that neighbor, that person, God, I have been positioned and I have been given provision for your purpose. In every area of our life, 
Nehemiah was positioned on purpose. He was not just simply a cupbearer to the king just to do that duty. God had a greater purpose. At the beginning of chapter 2, we learn that after four months of prayer and pleading after God, Nehemiah begins to leverage his position for a greater purpose. Purpose to bring glory to God, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He didn't sit back in his comfort and become complacent. He said, God, not only am I going to pray and seek you and cry out to you, I am going to operate in this position to bring you glory. He was a cupbearer to the king, and it wasn't by accident. God had placed him right where he was for a purpose. You and I in our lives, everywhere we go, on the job, and Walmart. When we go to the gas station, who's to say that we haven't been positioned right where we're at for a greater purpose? In 2019, God give us spiritual eyes to not see just our purpose, but yours. Now, we learned some lessons in your notes this morning in regard to being positioned on purpose. Here's lesson number one I want you to see. The extraordinary begins in the ordinary. Look again at verse 1, the first verse of chapter 2. It says, I was a cupbearer to the king. And then it goes on to say, in the month of Nisan, the 20th month of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up wine and gave it to the king. Ordinary task. Extraordinary miracle. In this month, when this passage opens up, he says, it was time to bring dinner and the wine to the king. And so here, the cupbearer to the king, that was his job. He does something ordinary. It was something he had done thousands and thousands of times. He ordinarily would just go and go before the king. It was an ordinary task to bring the cup to the king. He was the cupbearer. Have you ever in your life felt simply ordinary. God, in this business, I'm a business person, and God, it's just for my purposes, and it's just the ordinary, and I get up and I do the same thing, and God, does it really even matter? I've been positioned on purpose. And in the ordinary, I can honor God, and He can do the extraordinary. In my life and in my family, God, it may seem ordinary, but I want you to do the extraordinary. God, I'm just an ordinary mom. Is there any such thing as an ordinary mom, right? I just cook the meals or change the diapers. And am I really making a difference? When we do the ordinary, though, God will be able to do the extraordinary. God, in my life, in every ordinary day, am I living my life to see your purpose? wherever I'm positioned. I remember an ordinary day. It was about four or five years ago. It was right after Christmas time. Lee and I, we uh, were with some good friends, and we decided to take a trip to New York City, the country boy going to the big city. And I was excited. It was going to be an extraordinary trip. I mean, after all, I was going to get some real authentic New York pizza. 
Leah couldn't wait. She wanted to be on a carriage ride with me to Central Park. She's romantic like that. It was going to be great. And it was right after Christmas, and we left out right before New Year's. And you know if you've ever been in New York, that is a crazy time to be there. Lots of people coming to see the ball drop and New Year's new and all this thing. But it was an extraordinary trip. But on that trip, on Sunday morning, even though we were doing extraordinary things visiting the city, we decided to do something that was very ordinary to us. You see, as a pastor at LifePoint, I'm probably here almost every week other than two or three weeks out of the year. I'm right here at LifePoint. Whether I'm preaching or not, I'm right here at LifePoint. It's just what we do, right? It's an ordinary thing. Well, guess what? What do preachers do when they're on vacation? They still go to church. And so even when we're on vacation or we're away, I usually, if I'm not speaking, I'll still find myself in church. Well, we decided to do the ordinary, something we do all the time. And we decided to go to Hillsong Church in New York. And I, let me tell you, it was not that that was an ordinary service. It was extraordinary to be there. But it was just something I'd done time after time. And can I be honest with you? I was just looking for an ordinary Sunday. As a pastor, to be able to just sit and soak and not really have to talk or have any responsibility. I just want the ordinary today. I walk in. We find our place. We're seated there. And all of a sudden, God begins to highlight a young man who's about 20 years old. You're supposed to talk to that young man. No, God, I'm looking for an ordinary Sunday. I just want to be here. I say, yeah, if, if you want me to, though, you'll open up an opportunity. In the ordinary thing that I've done thousands of times, all of a sudden... The service starts. As the service starts, the altar call comes. And sure enough, the young man that God had highlighted raises his hand for salvation. I'm like, yes, God, you've already taken care of it. I can just go back to my ordinary. But God wasn't done with it. He said, I want you after service to talk to this young man. And I've got a picture of the young man. His name's Henry. And I said, I don't know why. I'm just here in the ordinary. But God highlighted you in my heart. Don't go to this church. Never been here before. May never ever be here again. But God wants to speak life over you. He said, sir, you don't understand. Although I raised my hand, I was asking the Lord, would you send somebody to speak to me? Not only just respond in a prayer, but I, just, I need to talk to somebody further. And right there on an ordinary Sunday, he began to tell me, hey, other than my grandfather, none of my family are Christ followers. I just happen to be in from New Jersey today to be in this service. I just happen to sit right here. It's just an ordinary day. And in that moment, God began, God even called him. He said, man, he began to share, man, I even begin to sense a call of God on my life. I don't know what's happened to him since. But can I tell you, in the ordinary, I was obedient and God began to do the extraordinary. Every time we walk into a gas station, every time we walk on the job, every time we're in that situation with the family, God, would you help me to see your purpose has positioned me for your reasoning? Step out in the ordinary to do, let God do the extraordinary. Jesus kind of did this in his first miracle, right? You remember that first miracle? He was there at a wedding. And they had a problem because they ran out of wine. They have to understand in that time, a wedding wasn't just a couple of hours long. This would have been something that they would have spent days. And so to run out of wine would have been a big shame on the family. It would have been a big problem. And Mary comes to Jesus and says, hey, they've run out of wine. And he says, woman, what does that have to do with me? My time has not come yet. 
Then she turns to the servants, ordinary servants doing ordinary tasks, and said, whatever he says to do, you do it. They begin to fill the jars with water. And as they did the ordinary thing of filling the jars with water, God did the extraordinary and changed the water into wine. It happened with a group of over 5,000 people. The Bible says in the feeding of the 5,000, it was 5,000 plus women and children, probably 12 to 15,000 people. They've been preaching on the hillside. Disciples come and say, Jesus, we should send them to go get something to eat. Jesus looks at the disciples and says, you give them something to eat. They're like, hey, it's Sunday and Chick-fil-A is not even open. What are we going to do? Why do we always crave Chick-fil-A on Sunday? That's all I'm going to say. Hope you're enjoying your fast. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we have nothing to give. What do they do? They begin to take inventory. There's an ordinary boy with an ordinary lunch. Five loaves and two fishes. But in obedience, they said, hey, it's not much. It's not enough. It's just ordinary. But God does the extraordinary and turns that little small lunch into enough to feed over 5,000 people. In our lives, the extraordinary begins with the ordinary. Parents continue to be faithful in the ordinary. Students begin to be faithful in the ordinary. In your life, in ministry, whatever it is, God could do the extraordinary, but it requires us to be doing the ordinary. Another lesson very quickly here. Proximity advances purpose. Now, I had not been sad in the presence of the king, it says. And the king said to me, why is your face sad seeing that you're not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. I want you to not miss this. Before Neo was in proximity to the earthly king, he had spent time in proximity to the heavenly king. Why was he downcast in his spirit? Because he knew the purposes and the people and the walls of the heavenly city, the, the, the city of God was in ruins. And he had spent time in the presence of God and he started to hurt for the things that mattered most to God. It wasn't about his comfort. It was a concern for that which concerned God. So he stayed in proximity to the presence of God. Let me ask you a question. How is your proximity to the king? Not an earthly king, the heavenly king. So I was writing this message, a word over this church and over my life for 2019 that we shared a couple of weeks ago was the word abide. How do we abide in his presence? We reside there. We just live there all the time. God, I want to be in your presence. I want to be close to the king. So here Nehemiah is. He was close to the heavenly king, and so therefore he was positioned to be close to this earthly king to bring favor. Another lesson. Faith overcomes fear. Nehemiah enters into the presence of the king. He's sad because he was concerned about the purposes of the earthly king, the heavenly king. And he's sad in his heart. And as he's sad in his heart, he comes into the presence of the king, and the king notices it. 
No, you have to understand in those days, if you came before the Persian king, you better come correct. It could literally mean your life. And he comes and the king takes notice. Hey, something is the matter with you. It's not a tummy ache. You're not sick in your body, but there is nothing but sadness of your heart. Something is concerning you. All of a sudden, the Bible says that Nehemiah was fearful. He says, then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why shouldn't my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves lies in ruin and the the gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah may be fearful, fearful of what the king would think, but he let his faith override his fear. God's purpose was more important than him losing his position. What fear in your life in 2019 are you facing? It's time to let faith arise and overtake your fear. God, you called me to do this thing, but I am fearful. That's okay to be fearful, but let faith arise. In my marriage, in my situation, I don't know how they're going to receive this. Let faith arise and overtake your fear. Think of the story of a queen named Queen Esther. God's people were in danger of being annihilated. She was fearful to speak up to the king. After all, the king didn't know that she was part of the children of Israel. What would he do? And you better come to correct to the king. But her uncle Mordecai comes and says, perhaps God has positioned you for what? For such a time as this. You have been positioned in the right place. I know you're fearful, but let faith arise. Because if he has positioned you, it is he that will accomplish his purpose. Think of Moses. You'd freak out too if you're walking in the desert and there's a burning bush that's burning but not turning, not, not being consumed by fire. You would be even more fearful if you heard the voice of God, take off your shoes for this is holy ground. What? Say what? And then you hear the voice of God say, you're going to deliver my people. I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him, let my people go. You're going to take them out of bondage. But, 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 uh, but, but God, but, 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 but God, I'm, I, I don't know about that. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a little fear, 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 fearful because the Bible says that I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a stutterer and you want me to be the mouthpiece? I, I, I can't even talk correctly. I'm f- fearful. And God speaks to Moses, hey, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. I'm going to have people go with you, but it's not about you. It's about my purpose. And you let faith begin to override your fear. And he was used for God's purpose to deliver the children of Israel. Think of three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, listen, I don't want to bow to the the golden idol." And I am not going to bow to anyone other than the one true God. I know that he is, the Bible says, they said, I know he is able to deliver us, but even if not, I will not let fear override. I wonder if we have some even if not faith in here. 
God, no matter what, in the good or in the bad, I am a lifelong follower of you. I know you're able to deliver me. I know that, God, you can walk me out of this situation. But no matter what, I am not going to let fear override my faith. Let faith overcome fear. Nehemiah was fearful, but he approached the king. His faith pushed fast his fear. Another lesson. Faith allows you then to walk in favor. I want you to turn to your neighbor. Some of you, this is going to be very hard for you to do, but I want you to do it in. I just want you to do it. I want you to look at them in the eyeball and say, favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. Tell them right now. Hey, favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. I just want to see all of the teachers in here squirm a little bit using the word ain't. Ain't ain't a word, but I think it is in the dictionary. That's all I'm going to say. But favor isn't fair. The Bible says that he goes before the king. He's fearful, but he pushes past his fear. And he asks for the favor of the earthly king. But the reason he was going to have the favor of the earthly king because he was submitted to the purpose of the heavenly king. Don't try to get the favor of God on your, your mess. You get the purpose of God and watch his favor begin to flow. The Bible says here that he goes to the king. He says, I'm fearful, but listen, yes, my heart is sad because the purpose and the plan and the place of God is the walls are broken down and they need to be rebuilt. And he begins to ask for favor from the earthly king. He says here in verse 5, if it pleases the king, send me to Judah that I may rebuild it. God, I mean, king, would you give me permission to go? Not only did he ask for permission, the letter goes on in verse 7. He, he says this, let letters be given to me that they may let me pass through and come to Judah. So he asked for permission. He asked for passage. Hey, this is going to be a long journey. Would you give me letters of favor so that I can make the journey there? But then check this out. This is where it gets fun. And it said, and a letter that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. Not only did he get permission, not only did he get passage, he got provision. God had a purpose for him and he used an earthly king to advance heavenly purposes. He says, give me letters not only to pass through, but when I get there, I want a letter to go down to the Home Depot and say, whatever wood I need. That's what he's talking about, timber. It was not really a Home Depot, by the way. They didn't have Home Depot back then. But he said, give me a letter that I can have all the timber that I need to rebuild the walls. Permission, passage. But then he went on to say, not only provision. I don't know what it is God's calling you to, but he, if it's his purpose, he's going to provide. He's going to do the thing on his behalf because it's for his glory. God's positioned us for his purpose. Guess what? The walls of Jericho, the story of Nehemiah, it's not really about Nehemiah. Sure, he was used by God, but make no mistake about it, it was God who had positioned him. It was God who knew him in his mother's womb that placed him right where he was supposed to be for such a time as that to bring glory in the story of God. 
I want to speak something over somebody in 2019 as I was writing this message. And I'm not saying, listen, understand, there is valleys and there is mountaintops. I don't know that this is something that everybody, all right, pastor said the favor ain't fair and I'm never going to go through anything. But I just felt like somebody in this place has been in a holding pattern. And as pastor Elias spoke a few weeks ago, that God is going to allow somebody to soar to new levels, that favor is about to come upon you and something you've been waiting for for many, many years. Keep faith, keep walking. Favor's coming. Last thing I want you to see is passion moves us to purpose. Verse 8, it says this, The king granted me what I asked. Why? Because my name was Nehemiah and I was a cupbearer? Nah. Go on and read the rest. It says, For the good hand of my God was upon me. It wasn't about Nehemiah. It was about the purpose of God and his favor on his life question this morning as we are in this series of Nehemiah man we're going to talk about the rebuilding we're going to talk about problems that arise but first of all will we be a people of prayer that God we see broken down walls around us there's broken down areas of our life in our marriage I see broken down places I see gates that are burned up we're unprotected God First, we want to get in proximity to the king. We cry out to you. Then secondly, as we get in proximity, we begin to look at where you have positioned us. We're not running in fear. We're standing in faith. You have placed us in this family. You have placed us in this marriage. You have placed us in this church. You have placed us on our place of employment. You have placed us when we go and see somebody walking down the street and your spirit begins. We have been placed on purpose, and it's not just our purpose. We don't live this life only for us, but for him. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes this morning. I want to pray over you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. First place I want to pray and go towards is somebody in this place. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to begin to talk to God. The greatest position you will ever have is as a son or daughter of the Most High. You say, God, I admit that I've not made it. I made some mistakes. Just as our friend today was baptized and said, I want a new start with you, God. I realize in my life I want that too. I need to admit that I need you and believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I want to confess you as Lord. I want to start a relationship. In just a moment as I pray, why don't you pray out and seek out to God and just say, hey, this is where I'm at. Talk to him. Somebody else in this room in 2019, God wants to rebuild some things, but he's calling you to prayer. And then he's calling you to push past fear and stand in faith and operate in faith from the position he has put you in. God, everything I do, I want to do it to glorify you. Father, right now, all over this room, as I'm praying, we're beginning to seek you. If that's you, just begin to cry out. Say, God, this is some areas of my life where fear's holding me back, where faith needs to begin to arise. Just begin to pray. Father, all over this room, those that need to accept you as our Lord and Savior, We admit we need you. We believe that Jesus, even though you never sinned, you came to this earth 
You lived a sinless life. You died on the cross. And your sacrifice allows us to have position in you. Come into my heart. Forgive me. Help me to know what it means to follow you all the days of my life. For others that are Christ followers, but God, in 2018, fear held them back. God, they were living only for their own purposes. However else you're speaking to us, we acknowledge you today. We hear you. Help us to correct course. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.